welcome to episode 84 of the My Fancy Zamboni uh, podcast. I forgot the word podcast. That's a really good start to a recording, isn't it? The My Fancy Zamboni. Fantastic. Um, we'll start off with the bad news straight away. We are back to, um, to a shortened roster. It is nothing to do with COVID, so that's the positive to take out of it. But we are without Greff today. He's been added back to the injured reserve list. Um, however, there's three of us tonight. We're joined by Mr. David Grant. Dave, how are we doing today? I was all right until that shambolic start of a recording. Um, I'd like you to... Know, you say the bad news was Greff not being here. I think that was the bad news. My God. I'm uh, okay, thank you, sir. A happy new year to you. Uh, it's the first one that we've done recording-wise. Um, I appreciate we was all in the same place uh, when the, uh, the clock struck 12 uh, on New Year's Eve. But, uh, yeah... Um, it's been good to watch the hockey uh, as a Sheffield fan. It's, it, we had a bit of a, a barren spell due to COVID, but uh, yeah, all's well. Um, hope you're you're okay. Yeah, yeah, all good, mate. All good. Bringing in the new year. Clearly not new, new year, new me. Starting straight off with a blunder in the uh, the first podcast. Of the year. Um, <laughs> Very welcome. Yeah, wrong podcast. Uh, <laughs> not going to catch me out that easily. <laughs> not yet. Yeah, true. True. We'll see how the night goes on. <laughs> In addition to Dave, we are also obviously joined by Mr. Andy Stafford. Andy, how how is one? Hello, Joe. Uh, I'm not too bad, thank you. Uh, Happy New Year to you both. Uh, how are you doing? Hi, all good, mate. All good. As, as I say, I'm just I'm mortified by the the horrific start. Um, I think we're really setting a tone already that it's certainly not New Year new podcast. We missed last week because at least two of us were asleep. Uh, and then I start the, the new episode with a blunder like that. So we're starting strong. I think statement of intent for 2022 is firmly in place. I know. I know. Yeah, this is this is actually the reason that Greff stitched us today. He's, he's gone to the cinema. Gone to the cinema. Sorry. I yeah, hope yeah. he's wearing his mask. I don't know. I feel like the masks conversation is one that's going on on Twitter at the moment. So, <laughs> I'm sure he's a responsible um, person when it comes to being out in the public, and he follows all the regs and uh, rules. Knowing Griff, did you throw yourself by the fact that that's usually rules and regs? And you said it I did. <laughs> <laughs> but still managed to do it with a nice flow, unlike your beginning. Well, uh, you know what? We're just going to swiftly move on from that. Um, can quite happily tick intro off the agenda and never come back to that part ever again on episode 84. Um, so we're going to go straight into scores and see how many of these scores I can trip up over. Um, bizarrely, to start off with the scores, we're going to delve first into December because there are two games since our last recording in December. Uh, in the league, Nottingham beat the Storm 5-3 on New Year's Eve and the Belfast Giants absolutely spanked the Dundee Stars once with their word 7-1 in Belfast. They were both New Year's Eve games. Uh, and then we go on to the league in January. We've got Cardiff beating Guildford 2-0 on, on New Year's Day. The Storm beat the Panthers 4-0 on New Year's Day. Uh, then we've got the following Sunday, well, that's Sunday evening. Guildford lost 6-2 to the Cardiff Devils in Guildford. Uh, the Panthers then lost 7-2 in Nottingham to Belfast. Five, five Flyers beat the Dundee Stars 6-3. I'm really not doing well here. Um, 
On to Wednesday, the 5th of Jan, the Cardiff Devils beat the Storm 5-3 in Cardiff. And the Friday, Belfast beat the Flyers 4-1 in Belfast. And then the weekend just gone, we had the Guildford Flames beaten, no, losing to the Panthers 4-3. Uh, Cardiff lost 6-5. God's sake. Cardiff won 6-5 against Manchester. This is going dreadfully. Um, the Giants narrowly beat the Five Flyers 3-2 in overtime in Fife. Uh, that Sunday, Nottingham beat the Flyers 4-2. The Steelers beat the Flames in overtime 4-3. Blaze beat the Storm 8-3 in Coventry. I just want to get to the end of this section now. Um, the Tuesday, Glasgow beat the Storm 3-1 in Glasgow. The Wednesday, Glasgow lost 3-2 to the Cardiff Devils in Glasgow. Um, and currently, as far as I can see, it can't be currently, surely that game's not still going. It's 2 1 to the Dundee Stars, according to the Elite League website. I think, it's, I think it finished 4 1. Did it finish 4 1? I was going to say, it's still saying it's ongoing, and there's no way it's ongoing. Um, it's probably for um, Yes, yeah, so yeah, no, you're right, it did finish 4 1 uh, to the Dundee Stars. And then, very swiftly to cap this section off, because I want to again finish it off and never come back to it, the Panthers beat the Guildford Flames 4 2 in the Challenge Cup. Um, the Giants beat the Blaze 5-1 in the Challenge Cup, and the Steelers beat the Flyers 5-1 in the Challenge Cup. That was dreadful. Um, and again, I want to forget about that and never come back again. Fair uh, play. So 10 out of 10 for effort, mate. <laughs> I don't know about that. <laughs> I'm going to throw it straight over to you two. Uh, well, in I case of, at least you tried, have some cake. Um... <laughs> cake? Not for me, but someone made donut cake. So what you're telling me is I can buy my own cake? Well, you can do. <laughs> you know, you're a big boy now, you can buy your own cake. I don't want to buy my own cake. Well, this is going drastic. Highlight. <laughs> <laughs> we'll the cake conversation for another time. Um, this was a hockey podcast. Since when? So, what is everybody's favourite cake? If you're not talking about chocolate. Oh, shut up, it's red velvet. Anyway. (laughs) Andy, I'm sorry, but I can't confirm Dave is right. (laughs) Red velvet sucks. It really, really sucks. Get off. Just get (laughs) off. Out. I don't want to carry on now. That's just affected me in every way since far. Now, moving swiftly on, back to the hockey. Um, Storm Panthers, New Year's Day. Um, rearranged fixture because Steel's in protocol, but Storm took the points in their Winter Classic with their two shades of white jersey and short combination. Um, I don't know if anybody else noticed that, guys. Um, the white shirts were nice, but then the shorts were just a different shade of white. Bizarre. However... The daring look. We'll go with that. It, it was different. But goals from Thompson, Critchlow, Fawcett and Brady gave um, Storm a win in front of a sold-out um, shelter um, and kind of started the beginning of the end of uh, Mr. T. Wallace, which I'm sure we'll go into later on. Uh, but given all the upheaval with Steelers being thrown into protocol and everything... Hastily arranged game, kept all the uh, the figures and everything. Uh, fair play to to the Storm. Um, I don't like saying that, but someone had to say it because Griff's not here. So we've done his pro Manchester bit now. We can move on to normal levels of conversation. 
I don't think we want to go on to normal levels of conversation. The conversation hasn't been going well so far. Or is that just for me? That's just for you. Oh, that's all right, then. Um, I'm going to go for another recent one. Um, Manchester and Cardiff uh, finished 6-5 to Cardiff. Uh, open scoring was Cam Critchlow for Manchester. And then in the second period, uh, it was pretty much Cardiff... Uh, Almost the whole way with Cole Sanford, and then Matt Register to make it 3-1, uh, and two replies for Storm from Curtis Hamilton before Josh Lamin uh, netted another one before the end of the third. And in the third, we had Matt, Re- Matt Register with his second, Ben Davies uh, and Mark Lewis scoring for the Devils, and then Finley Ulrich, Ulrich and Cam Crystal again scoring for the Storm. Uh, final score of 6-5 to Cardiff, and I don't know, guys, but. It sounds like a fantastic game. Look like a fantastic game to be at. So uh, if you were there, um, yeah, look at you guys. I'm sure that was one hell of a game. I remember watching that, like going off on flash scores. When you kind of saw the Devils take the kind of bigger lead towards the end, and you're like, right, this is over. And then like Manchester scored, and you were like, oh, nice consolation goal. And another. And it was like, no, okay, then it flashed up saying final score, and it was like, ah, okay, maybe they should have. If it had been two more minutes, maybe that would have gone to OT. <laughs> um, my game, I'm going home on this one. Gents, Steelers v Guildford 4 3 after overtime is the final score. Um, didn't start the way of the home team. Uh, Guildford went up 1 0 uh, relatively quickly. Minute 26 into the game, Brett Ferguson scored. Uh, a nice snipe towards the top left side um, weak-ish goal for, uh, for the Steelers to concede uh, and then 4 minutes 48 into the game the second goal for Guildford was scored by Levi Cable um, the Steelers came back from it they got a goal from Valorand at 5 minutes 31 and then tied the game up at 11 minutes 34 uh, through Robert Dowd so a quick first 10 minutes or so Um I say 11 minutes 34 into the game until it was 2 2. She'd had four goals already. Uh, going to the second period, Guildford went up 3 2. Uh, again, minute 26 into the period, so another fast moving uh, fast, fast moving period. It was Jamal Watson that scored that goal. Uh, and then 39 57 uh, in, that, in the game, so three seconds left in the period. Uh, Mark Olivier Valoran tied that up at 3 3. Um, Sorry, that was the third period, not the second. The second, there was absolutely nothing that happened at all as far as the uh, league's concerned. There were no pe- no penalties and no goals. Uh, into overtime, we went... No, that's not right. My God, we really set this out terribly. Um, sorry, that was in the second period. There were no goals in the third period and went into overtime. Uh, and then the Steelers scored two minutes and eight seconds into overtime and a power play goal through Wojtek Polak. Um to win the game 4-3. The main reason that I've actually chosen this game was more to do with the kind of after-game antics that actually happened. The game was ref by Tom Perring and Pavel Halas. And I don't think any of us are going to disagree, gents, that it was officiated very strangely and that I think the majority of the calls seemed to be given for slashing. Um, they didn't seem to call much at all other than slashing and then Keaton Ellaby nearly hacked off one of the Guildford players' hands in the biggest slash of the game which then went uncalled um, they got a pretty harsh penalty in, in, in overtime definitely a penalty 
in a normal regulation. Overtime, bit harsh. Steelers player breaks between two defenders, skates over the skate, uh, skates over the sticks, trips over. Two minutes of tripping given. We score on the penalty uh, on the power play, and then all of a sudden Guildford just end up. Well, basically the referees at that point ended up being Guild. Uh, ended up being Oprah. Just essentially, you get a ten minute misconduct. You get a ten minute misconduct. <laughs> you get a ten minute misconduct. Um, I have to say, pretty poor form from Guildford. Um, I know I appreciate that when you feel like you've been cheated out of a game, when you get that kind of penalty in overtime, I understand what it feels like, but I'm not going to go with the down the line of your pro hockey players and that side of things, but maybe just learn to lose with a bit of dignity because the whole team skating off and clapping at the referee is just a bit pathetic and a bit petty. I've got to say one thing just on the back of that. It was very much an un-Paul Dixon performance from his team. His team normally yeah. do have... The, the speed, the skill of his character—they were very un-Dixon-like. He was very hot on the cover. Notice that his—he um, did do a, an interview after the game uh, that think do the rounds on social medias, and there were nothing at all uh, from Dixon, which I found very strange because he's—he speaks very well after wins or yeah. defeats. So I found that I must admit I found that very interesting. He must yeah, really, really hot under the cars not to calm down enough to go, OK, I'll talk to the cameras. But this is this is the thing, and, I, you know, as I said, we, we, we can all agree, I'm sure. Um, I mean, speak up if not, but I'm sure we all agree that the, the officiating was, was pretty shaky during the game. It was very bizarre that a lot we'll of things... We'll go strange. We'll go yeah. strange. There were a lot of things that were getting left, and then all of a sudden you'd see like the weakest tap on like a stick, and it'd be called as a slashing call. Um, I mean, there were there were two penalties, and actually, I think I can't remember who it was that turned around to me and said it in the game. Actually, someone turned around to me and said, "You can tell it's bad when the two players that we had reacting to the penalties were reacting because you actually had." I think it was you, Andy. Was it yeah. you? I'm going to say I thought it was. Wojtek Polak got called for roughing. Uh, in the second period, um, at the same time that Tristan Frey was called. Tristan Frey basically skated up to Pollard on the face-off, cross-checked him. It was a blatant penalty to give Tristan Frey. Absolutely zero idea where the penalty from, for Pollard came from. Pollard sat in the penalty box, launching his stick and gloves against the plexiglass and everything. Uh, and then a bit later on, Martin Latal gets a slashing call and nearly clotheslines himself with his own stick and he smacks it on the, pe- on the plexiglass and he gets into the box. And you just think, actually, they're two players who are not are unemotional in the game. They generally show a lot of, you know, a lot of passion for playing. But they're not normally guys that you would expect to be seeing reacting to the penalties like that. And and both of them, particularly Polak, was lucky to get away without a misconduct. The way he was going off in the box. I'll add to this as well, because I know it's the conversation that we, we all had um, during the game is... It's kind of give not a defence of the referees, but we every time we were looking at where the referees were, and you, you kind of their positioning to see what was happening, what were, what wasn't called. The positioning was quite good, so it, it just very baffling is the way they they officiated that game. Um, yeah, it just it just didn't kind of. I mean, I do rate Perrin a lot. I won't uh, lie. Yeah, so do I. I, I rate He's him a lot. He's the most consistent so. referee for me. Yeah, alas, I've not seen enough because he. Tends to stay in Scotland apart from this year, which, okay, fair enough, not a problem. Uh, but we don't see him enough to kind of go, okay, we know what he's like, etc., um, etc. Et but I just, it, 
it just felt very poor. Not poor. That's that's unfair. Strange. I'm, I'm going to go as an honest word. Strange. Didn't seem like a normal. Because we've had a few games recently where you may not agree with the calls per se, but the man management of the whole game was spot on. We've had a few of them games. Yeah. There's a lot of games that we've had recently where the, the, the man management of the of the games and the scenarios within the games was spot on from the referees. Uh, just didn't have that feel in that game. No, no. I mean, to summarise the actual, the, the bizarre calls, the weirdest one for me was there was a, a point when Mosey tried to keep the puck in the zone and the puck just went out of the zone. The linesman was stood right next to him, called an offside. Mosey quite clearly disagreed with the offside call and he shot the puck against the boards well away from the referee there was no there was never any doubt that there was never anything other than shooting the puck against the boards but he got given a two minute unsportsmanlike conduct call and both referees put their arms up simultaneously for it and I just kind of looked at it and thought okay I understand that in theory he's kind of making a public display about the fact that he disagrees with the call but that's a weak call to give in that kind of game do you know like but that's the thing. I think that's the thing that annoyed me the most about Guildford's reaction afterwards. And they tweeted something similar. Like, I think they tweeted something like uh, a weak penalty. I don't use the word weak, but they basically said a weak penalty gifts the gifts the home team a win or gifts the opposition a loss or something. I can't remember exactly how they phrased it, but it was it was along the lines of a penalty gifts was the win. And I was like, well, it, it, across the whole game, I'd say, you know, it was pretty. Nip and tuck. It was pretty. It was pretty close in terms of who got the better of the penalties. I thought we were pretty even in terms of getting bad penalties called and penalties missed. So I don't think any team was particularly, I don't know, benefited particularly from it. And then all of a sudden, as I said, the whole team skating off and clapping it. I mean, Kevin Linsky, how he managed to get away without at least a misconduct. He literally skated up about two foot away from both referees clapping at them and saying something to them. Um, I'm actually quite baffled we're not seeing fines from Dops being announced, at least for Linsku and Paul Dixon. Just yeah. the, the reaction. Yeah. And it's not that like this Linscombe's got himself into the mix of things this season, has it? So... Yeah, I know. Can you imagine? Well, I think there's one point where Rock started skating up the rink and you turned around and said, oh, this is the point when Rock starts celebrating in Linsko's face. I'd have loved that. I'm not going to lie. I'd have loved that. One thing I didn't actually realise at the time, actually, Rock Stajanovic was given an assist on uh, on the Steelers' third goal. So I always quite like to see when you see a goal to get an assist. Um, But yeah, that's that's my game anyway. I feel like we've, we've, we've talked considerably more about the Steelers game so I'm conscious that we need to move on because we have enough to talk about already gents um, before we move on I will ask as I always ask um, anything else to add about the games that we've well that have gone on since our last recording seeing shaking heads so we'll move on swiftly the next thing I have is the challenge not the continental the challenge cup um, <laughs> who's got the score so far I know that Belfast are currently the only team to be going through the Steelers lead uh, 5-1 going into the second leg against Fife next Wednesday. I can't remember what the other two are off the top of my head. I've got Dundee a million. Dundee are 4-2 up against Cardiff and Nottingham are 4-2 up, I think. They've, I know they've got a two-goal lead going into Guildford, but all three ties are decided next week. 
Yes, they are, because we've got, yeah, five Sheffield, Cardiff, Dundee, Guildford, Nottingham, all on Wednesday. So as of next Wednesday, well, as of the next recording, if we record on the usual time on Thursday evening, um, we should know by that point who we've got going through. Um, the next thing, I guess, in fairness, gents, is not really much to discuss about the fixtures just gone, other than probably how much of a drumming Belfast gave Coventry in that last game of 5-1, and it did seem to be quite consistently across the game, and how contrasting that seemed to be in comparison to the Steelers' game against Fife, which was a one-goal game up till about the last 15 minutes, where I think Shane Owen just got tired because he literally was left to do everything on his own, and all of a sudden he shipped a few more goals. I mean, the Fife goal was pretty lucky in terms of the, the situation, Um but, yeah, I, just just some bizarre score lines and things like that. I honestly thought we were going to go into five with a one-goal lead at one point. It was like the, the most one-sided 1-0 one game for like 45 minutes. Uh, but Shane Owen uh, out, was outstanding. Um, and also must admit, praise for, for Barry Brust. He had very little to do all night. But when he was called upon, sharp. Reactionary. It was unlucky. The goal that Sheffield considered was unlucky from Sheffield's perspective. Um but it was a very dominant performance uh, from Sheffield. Uh, and yeah. watching the highlights for Belfast commentary, very similar. Um, so, yeah. Um, roll on. Uh, I'm just trying to think of like a Super Sunday before Wednesday, and I can't think of a decent word for it. But, wonderful uh, Wednesday. Wonderful Wednesday, yeah, let's go with that. <laughs> yeah, no, that's it. No, I mean, the main, the main news coming out of the Challenge Cup, I mean, the main thing for us to discuss, gents, is the agreed change in formatting just to assist with the scheduling. Obviously, we've talked already about the fact that the obviously we've had COVID for 9 out of the 10 teams. We'll talk about that shortly. But obviously, we've had to have rescheduled fixtures. The rationale then has led to we need to sort of change the formatting so that we're not putting extra games in if necessary. So the semi-finals for the Challenge Cup have now been changed to being one leg. Um, so obviously... It puts a lot more pressure on the next leg of the semi-finals. Actually, probably would give a better atmosphere and a better feel to the games. It's certainly not one where you can afford to be caught sleeping. Um, but yeah, essentially, I mean, the, the, the comments from Mike Geeks were basically just teams have agreed to cut the semi-finals down to just one leg to help us ease pressure on the schedule. We have a big project ongoing to rearrange all of the postponed games, most of which we've now solved. And by cutting the semi-finals of the cup down, we gained back dates that we wouldn't otherwise have been able to use so we're grateful to the 10 teams for agreeing to this format change. Um, in each semi-final, the highest-seeded team on the group stage will have the option of playing the game at home. Um, what do we think, boys? Um, from, I think it's a good move, to be honest with you. Um, there's not a whole lot you can really do after this season. And for me the challenge cup is definitely the least important out of the league and the playoffs so you know you, you, you've got to take something away in this situation and uh, I think they're the right call in, in making it just one leg it is a, something that I think in the future I'd, I'd like to see the challenge cup scrapped uh, maybe that's one way of how that's what, that could be one way of how you can make the playoffs like two or three legs uh, which I think would be a lot better overall, but obviously not right now. Maybe maybe in the future. So, yeah, I think it's a good call. Um, there's, there's, um, there's obviously more pressure in that one game, and I think that's enough, you know. Um, makes it more interesting. 
it's the winner takes all basically in, in, in that semi. So uh, yeah, I think it'd be quite interesting. May get a few shot results actually. So uh, yeah, I'm all for it. There's not much you can do with the current situation, and they've got to make up the the games lost somehow. So it's a good call from the league. Flexibility. We've used it last time, and we'll use it again. The league needs to be flexible. Demonstrate that they can really play Tetris with these fixtures. And fair play to the league to allow the change of, to agree to the change of format. Now, yeah, there's a different conversation about the future of the Challenge Cup. I'm one. I think we should keep it, but just at a different format. Um, however, fair play to the league for actually just making a change gives them more time to get these more fixtures in. Um, it's going to annoy fans because weekend games are going to be with week. But if we get all the games played, who cares? In the grand scheme of things. So, well done, league. Got to, got to give them the praise and the kudos because, you know what, <clears throat> for a beer league, as what everyone says when games are cancelled, uh, they've been flexible and they're working together to get these games done. So, uh, fair play to them. Well, you certainly can't fault the effort to actually get these games played. You can't fault the effort to get the seasons played. To anybody that's whinging, I'm sure we'll say this again, but to anybody who's whinging, just remember we cancelled the season. Um, you know, granted, we've got less than a month left of that season. Imagine if we cancelled the season now because one thing led to another, we couldn't get games in, COVID had too much of an effect. They're all little pieces of the jigsaw that keep the season ongoing. Um so maybe if you're complaining about that, just give your head a wobble. Um, I, you guys have not a nail on the head. I can't really say anymore. It's a great move. It's good to see that flexibility. And in that respect, you know, it's, I don't know. I say it, it might add a better atmosphere to the games. Um, Andy, you said that you'd like to see the cup scrapped. And I think it's, it, in a sense, it's, it's, it is the least important, at least in the league. There's always the joke with the cup that actually... It's one of those. It's one of those things that it matters until you're not in it anymore, and then it's a Mickey Mouse Cup because that's always the joke that a lot of teams will go to, and as soon as they're out, oh, it's only the Challenge Cup. But it is the least important out of, out of the three the, the three pieces of silverware on offer. And you know, playing a, a Wednesday night game against Fife in the first leg of the Challenge Cup, does that get a crowd? Does that build an atmosphere? Is there any excitement to that game? You boys were all there. The answer is no. You know, there was no excitement to that game. It was very flat. There was no atmosphere. The capacity wasn't nearly as much as it should have been for essentially a semi-final, a, a quarter-final game even. You know, maybe having a single-leg semi-final will actually add a bit more pressure onto it because either team can win. And Andy, like you say, I expect to see some shot results, um, you know, which would be great to see. And if that's Steelers losing to whoever they lose to, Fair enough. We've said all the way through that any team could win this year. We've picked Guildford out as a team that could win the Challenge Cup out of other pieces of silverware. We've said Coventry could. Granted, they can't now, but who knows? Um, what way would it work, dependent on who goes to who, who will play who? How does that, that work? Is it the, the Steelers' five winner will take on... I think it's high-seeded, will get the lowest seed. I think it's redone. But you keep right, okay. the your initial seeding, so 
Well, let's just let's let's just let's just assume Fife was to go through. We'll make sense of the example. Although they'll still be the seventh seed, they'll become then the fourth one because they'll be the they'll be the lowest one. So they'll take the fourth seeding for the semi-final. And then they'll play Belfast. Yes. Right. Okay. No, that makes sense. That makes sense. I believe. Um, it's not. I was going to try and say that then means X team, whichever team wins this, will play that. But we can't do that because there's too many logistics to take into account. So, um, obviously, the other thing is, uh, me and Dave, you, you, you and I were talking about this before we started recording, before Andy joined the call, actually. Um, about the way that the, the, the Challenge Cup final will work this year, and obviously that will go. You said that will go to the highest seeded team. From what I've read, the the highest seeded team will get the shout of the of hosting it. Um, there's nothing actually being out officially, so I'm assuming this has been said on either a fans forum or a podcast where an official's gone and talked about it and it's been asked. So it's not a throwaway comment, but it's just been kind of just given out there. And. As it stands, so long if, if Belfast was to go all the way through, they'll have the first shout to host the final. I suspect, though, in the COVID terms, it'll be a midweek game. Yeah. Yeah, with it not being a booked-out event like the Challenge Cup final has been for the last few years, it'd be difficult to get a weekend game with all the rescheduled games. Yeah. Which is a shame, because, as we all know, the event... Of the last Challenge Cup final, yes, helped that Sheffield won it, but the event itself was a spectacle. And it shouldn't be. Yeah. It should always be a one-off game, but a one-off game at a weekend, not a one-off game midweek. But we'll, we'll find out as we get through to the semis and uh, we'll go from there. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. Um, has anybody got anything else to add on the Challenge Cup? I feel like the main thing was just mentioning the, the, the format change, so we've covered that off. I'm seeing shaking heads. We'll move on to the next CC that we have to talk about. No, that's not cross-check. It is, of course, the COVID Cup. Um, we talked about it last time round that there should be a piece of silverware on offer for the team that manages to win the COVID Cup. Uh, currently, the winner of the COVID Cup would be the Cardiff Devils. They are now the only team out of the 10 to have not been placed in COVID protocol. Um, the last time that we recorded was the 30th of December, and we said there were two teams left. It was Coventry and Cardiff left not to get COVID, uh, literally about less than 12 hours after we finished recording that podcast. Coventry got placed in COVID protocol, so that's now nine out of the 10 teams. Cardiff are the only team not to. Um, I mean, we're making it slightly jovial because it's not a nice thing to talk about, boys. We have had a few times where we've all kind of faced... And I know some of us stayed positive about the fact that we all were good. Some of us had more positive outlooks on whether or not the season would get cancelled. I can't remember who said what, but I think we, we, we were kind of mixed bag in terms of some of us said, oh, actually, it might be the end. Some of us said, no, I think we'll get through it. I think we've all faced the point where we've actually stood and thought, is this season going to get cancelled? So put the jovial spin on it now that we seem to be coming out the other end of it. A lot of teams have gone and come out of COVID protocol now it's just a case of focusing on staying out of COVID protocol and getting the rest of the season played. Um, but yeah, um, obviously Cardiff haven't entered it yet, so kudos to them for whatever they're doing because it's definitely working. Um, 
there's a lot of things to talk about on COVID, boys. So I don't really know where to start. I guess the key place to start, in fairness, in terms of teams that have had the effects, obviously the Scottish teams have been limited to a capacity of, I believe, 200, was it? 200, yeah. Uh, and obviously Cardiff have not been allowed any fans at Ice Arena Wales. Um, Fife and Dundee have opted to crack on in their own ways of keeping those games going. Glasgow decided to take a bit of a different take, which seemed a bit of a... A bizarre move for Glasgow for a team that started the season late already with fixtures to fit in. They were then the team, and they probably the team with the higher budget out of the three Scottish teams with Neil Black funding them. They were the team that opted to say, oh, we're not sure about what compensation we can get from the Scottish government yet, so we're going to postpone the, I think it's three games, three games that they postponed in the end, I think. It was, yeah. Guildford, Sheffield and Belfast, I believe. Um... They then made a statement regarding the following three home games and said, um, you know, that they were going to be going ahead with 200 people. Their take was pretty much, uh, let's have a look, 200 off per game general sale tickets will be available. Um, first come, first serve basis. Each purchase will be restricted to buy a maximum of four tickets. Um, season tickets will not be valid for the three next one, well, the next three home games, um, they were providing a webcast, which is a nice thing to see uh, Glasgow do. And I'm kind of hoping that Glasgow continue to do that now. Because we should, as a professional league, be seeing every team providing a webcast. Um, but they provided a webcast, fifteen pound per game. Uh, obviously, got a lot of revenue to keep up with that. Season tickets, they were getting confirmation as to what compensation package they get from the Scottish government. Uh, as soon as they had further information, they said at the time of the release, they'll be contacting season ticket holders directly. Uh, so that was their update regarding the following three home games and the current situation with limited capacity. Uh, they obviously, as I say, postponed the game against Sheffield, postponed the game against Guildford. And I think the one, gents, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, that ruffled the most feathers was the postponement of the game against Belfast, primarily for the way that they then kind of dealt with the fans that have bought tickets uh, as they basically said that anybody who bought tickets would over the next two weeks be receiving an email from the club allocating a ticket voucher for an upcoming planned home game now that's not great if you're travelling from Sheffield it's even worse if you're travelling from Guildford but particularly for Belfast fans who are going to have to sort out flights and whatever else to get over to the game they're telling me you're not just instantly refunding tickets. I get that you're having an issue with money, but particularly for guys that have booked flights, hotels, who knows what's been refundable, you're going to tell them that they're going to get a voucher for a home game. It leaves a bit of a sour taste. You know that teams are struggling, especially the Scottish ones. Uh, we'll focus on them for, for, for a second at that because of the restriction of the, the 200 maximum capacity um, I know some teams have said a blanket ban on away fans but I saw one person's Instagram story and I think it was Glasgow and he, that person certainly doesn't live in Glasgow um, so I don't know how that's worked but hey ho never mind um, you, you kind of got to work with with fans Teams are, we've mentioned teams were expecting fans to understand that the games will be changing, there'll be fixture changes, as we've already mentioned. There has to be a little bit of give back as well. So if, like, for example, they cancelled the Belfast game, 
Why are they then not going? Right, okay. Either it's valid for the next Belfast game or rearrange. If you can't make it, you get your money back. To me, that's a very simple approach, especially in COVID times. Track on. But I've heard a few teams in Scotland, and I think even Manchester have had like issues with in terms of the games that they've had postponed and not been able to give refunds straight away. I need to. I've, I read a few things from that one where I'm not yeah. sure. It's, it's not a, a, a black and white. They've not. It's it's very. Murky I think they're waters. saying they're waiting to confirm the rescheduled games before they will consider and confirm about ticket refunds. Um, presumably on the logic that some people that have tickets might be able to make the reschedule oh, yeah. and then they don't have to shuffle around money. But... So, it, with the Scottish example, work with the fans. Don't just go, oh, you can have a voucher. Like you say, the Belfast fans, a voucher mean, is, is useless to them because, you know, there's no guarantee. And especially that game is particularly, it's become their Sheffield Nottingham in terms of that's their traditional Christmas game. Belfast Glasgow. So everything's built for their for their fans as their nice away day. And obviously COVID's had it played its part as per. Uh it just, just there seems to be a lack of, of cooperation from both sides. There's an acceptance we want the fans to cooperate and help the teams and buy the tickets with hastily arranged fixtures. I get that, support it. But on the flip side, if fans have bought tickets and they can't make it, allow them. Give them that chance to get the money back if they can't make it. Someone will buy the ticket. That's the thing to, to kind of remember that for one person who doesn't take the ticket and, re, and gets a refund, someone else will buy it. So I don't think that I think I think we just need, elements of what's been done so far just need to be a bit more smarter. I'm not going to a blanket. We need to be smarter. Just elements just need to be a bit smarter, and we all get over the, the finishing line. Everybody happy, everybody looking forward to a potentially season 22-23 with no interruptions. For, for a long period, I think there's a lot of people out weren't really sure what was happening. I mean, you had the introduction of uh, Scotland saying that they could only have 200 people in attendance at uh, big events, and you know, Wales basically is saying that they wouldn't allow anyone at all. Um, so, for a lot of clubs, especially in, in, in this uh, in this league and in the UK, it's you think about their revenue, and pretty much all of that is through people getting getting in, watching the game, uh, merchandise, um, all that sort of stuff. So that's going that's a big loss for any any sort of club, especially the Scottish teams. And um, with 200 people, it's, it's still going to be a big loss. So you know, it's. Everything pretty much, I think, is still pretty in the air. No one really knows what's going to happen. Uh, I think the next month or two is, is, is going to be crucial as to whether decide whether the league is going, is going to continue with, you know, cases still like they are and and all that. Um, it, it's it's very difficult to say. I mean, it's even worse for Glasgow when you think that they'd only played just over a dozen league games before they were basically said, you know, you can only have 200 people in attendance at these at these. Um, games at these uh, concerts or things like that so yeah it's it's very difficult right now to say what's going to happen because no no one knows Uh, where things are things can can change within a day or two 
it's it's absolutely yeah. crazy right now still. So I think we're very lucky to see at the end of the season. Hopefully we do. Fingers crossed. But even with that, and if these restrictions still stay in place for Scotland, for Wales, or if you know more restrictions come in for England, like say favouring in the same sort of policies uh, that the UK countries have, then you know again it's going to affect them. So yeah, it's it's very much a wait and see thing right now to see what happens. But hopefully, you know it's the signs are now that. that things are heading the right way and fingers crossed that it continues to trend that way. That's that's the key thing, mate, and that's that I understand that it's difficult for Glasgow. Not trying to slate them too much for the way that they've dealt with certain things. Um and like you say, it's a constant reminder that we're in the situation that we're in. Um like I say at the moment is the positivity back or that positive feel back of Every team is currently out with COVID protocol. You know, I think it was getting particularly bleak when you were seeing four or five teams in a COVID protocol around the same time. Um, I think it was a constant feel for us of, oh, if a couple more teams go in, then that might then they might call time on the league. Um, obviously, we're currently not in that situation, and I hope that we don't get to that situation. I like to think that we're probably past the peak of that now, particularly, and that might be coming from a Steelers fan perspective in particular, because I know that we ended up having about 12 players on COVID protocol, so that might be different. If the likes of Guildford, Nottingham and other teams ended up only having four players, that's a different story, because it's a lot easier for the, a large majority of their team to still get it. So it is still present, and um, you know the situation with the Scottish and Welsh teams it, at the moment... It is a reminder that, you know, at any point, cases could go back up. They could end up having to call time. And that's, it's not good. It's, it's not a nice feel. Um, I just I just feel like in this instance, Glasgow could have done better with the... Just the away fans, that's the key thing for me. And like we say about about Belfast, and, and you know, in, in terms of the three teams, I mean, the, the Steelers fans probably were the, were the ones that had the least distance to travel. So it would be the easiest out of the three teams to actually for the Steelers fans to attend every rescheduled fixture and use the game voucher, it's still a good four and a half hour drive away at least, give or take. I might have got that slightly wrong, but it's still a good distance away. And to expect fans of any away team to travel up on the basis that you've given them a game voucher is it's pathetic. Refund the away fans, come to the agreement with the home fans that you'll give them a game voucher, that way, at least, you're keeping the majority of your revenue from the home fans. Your away fans are giving their money back so they can make their decision. And actually, they're probably more likely to come back to a game in Glasgow if they've actually had that treatment. Because I like to think there are probably a number of, like particularly Belfast fans at the moment, that are thinking, Do you know what, next time there's a Glasgow weekend, you can sod it. You're not having my money. You've not given me back. So I, com- I completely understand their point. I just think I don't get it. And then they're, they're not, like you say, they only had a dozen games before they went into the, you know, into COVID protocol. And then they're rescheduling games because they're wondering what the situation with compensation is. It's like, well, that's fine, but we're still going to get games played. They're going to be they're going to be playing four games a week at this rate. You know, without a doubt, they're going to be playing four games a week. That's that's not a sustainable season at all. 
you've got to make do with the situation. That's the thing. You can only you can only play with the cards you've been dealt. And I, I appreciate that the Scottish and uh, the Scottish teams in Cardiff have particularly got it bad at the moment. So hopefully the, the four teams that have been affected can pull through. It does kind of lead me on to my next point about COVID, in fairness, gents, which was the Dundee game. The first Dundee game that they played behind closed, well, on a reduced capacity of 200 fans. Uh, they ran a 50-50, I believe it was 50-50, um, online. And they actually, for some reason, their system was limited to the amount of tickets that they could sell. The Steelers actually jumped on board to try and help them promote that, try and get some more revenue into the team, as they obviously only had limited capacity. They ended up selling out their allocation because of the help from the Steelers. That is the kind of thing we should be seeing in the Elite League at the moment, if teams scratching other teams' backs to get through this season. And more, more importantly, sustain it going into next season. Um, 100%. 100%. But just to say, the, the limits is the system that they use. They You have to declare how many tickets you, you are selling before you start the raffle. Ah, right, OK. So that's why there was a, um, a cap at, um, I think it was 2,000 tickets. It was. The, the opposite of 5,000 for the next game. But, you know, fair play. And, and you know, hopefully we see Nottingham help out with... Uh, one of the teams, we see Cardiff do, we see Belfast, you know, everyone work together. And we've we mentioned it, all, all four of us have mentioned it before on this podcast. The cooperation will get everyone through. Maybe a bit battered, maybe a bit bruised, but still get through. And if able to go to the new season with whatever budgets they have, but able to do it in the way they want to, without restrictions, getting through all this, then we need to do what we need to do. And, and fair play to to the Steelers and, and Dave Sims. It'd be nice to see other teams be as uh, prominent in support and encouraging their fan bases. Um, just It just shows that you know everyone is working together. And I, I know that people are working together. We know that. We see it with the fixtures. Let's see in other areas. You know, in, you know, in, the, in the Maya pit that is social media, we see a lot of criticism of teams. This is one where we can't. We have to give kudos, and everybody who's, who's seen red has to give kudos. Now, let's see other teams jump on this bandwagon, and let's support another team. Let's get it done. It's it's not often you see um, teams, especially in, in the higher sort of, you know, sports, helping each other out, but when it happens in a sport like ours, it, it just shows what we're all about, really, you know, we might not have the money that other sports have in the country, but we have, you know, the the heart to support rivalries and everything aside to help each other out. And I think that's the way uh, the whole league should be going forward. You know, the, the bigger teams helping the smaller teams out because they they really need it right now, especially the Scottish three. So as much as we, you know slight steal us some steal social media and uh, most of the time rightfully so uh, but I think this time they've really come through and uh, you know shown, shown what they can do the good they can do and it's it's uh, it's great to see uh, one thing I hope continues but um, yeah it's a great effort from, from Steelers there and um, I'm sure it helped Dundee massively and uh, just hopefully we see it from all around the league now Um we obviously don't know how long this is going to go on for. It could be 
coming months, could be years, who knows? So the more we help each other out, the more we've got a chance of, you know, staying and, and having a league at the moment. So, yeah, one may continue. Yeah, 100%, boys. Um, I'm trying to think of anything else, COVID, really. I'm conscious that there's a lot of COVID things to discuss. Um, one of the things, I mean, one of the biggest criticisms that the league's had at the moment, uh, moving, slight, uh, moving on from the, the, you know, the teams that have been affected by limited or no capacity games, and one of the things that we've been criticised for is, is absolutely no clarity on the COVID protocol situation. I think these dribs and drabs that have gone out on social media, um, I know there was a lot of criticism over social media when the Steelers went into COVID protocol about the fact that the, the two Boxing Day games uh, were allowed to go ahead before we went into COVID protocol, which is obviously a big earner for us and a big earner for the, the Panthers in terms of probably the two biggest capacity games or the two biggest things. Well, the games that have got the most excitement and the most build-up to them. Um, there is something that's been put out on the Elite League. I actually saw this when it came out, and I will hold my hands up, and it seems very bizarre. I'm kind of shooting myself in the foot by bringing this up, because I will admit straight away that I haven't actually watched this. Uh, my kind of question is, has, has have either of you watched this? But, I mean, the, the Elite League have released a video, which was Dr. Matt Robbins discusses COVID-19 protocol. Has anybody watched it, and did it actually shed any light on it? So I, I, I put it down as one of my videos to watch, and then and completely, completely forgot that it existed. It gave a very good breakdown um, of the understanding behind the protocol and the workings of the protocol, um, and it's a it's a worthwhile watch for anybody in the elite league just to have that understanding. But the thing that they said, well, my understanding from what, watching it, is that there is a kind of a threshold still of if you hit numbers, you'll go through the protocol. But, but the protocol changes, and it's very, very fluid in terms of it's not just there, that's your number, you go for it, you're in the protocol. It changes due to the circumstances, due to the scenarios. Um, so, like, theoretically, so the example someone gave afterwards from the video, it was like the Dundee-Cardiff game was cancelled. They only had one positive test, but due to the number of players who then became, because of the close contacts, the numbers meant that they had to cancel the game, even though they only had one positive. So the flexibility of, of how the protocols work, and it's something that's done... In other sports as well, so it's not just hockey related. Although the person in question was also involved in the world champs, the world junior champs in Edmonton that had been cancelled. Um, he was involved in the medical side of it as well. Um, so it was a great watch from a, from an understanding of what the protocol is. Yeah. And did you? I, I you, fully meant catch to watch it. I, I didn't. I didn't catch it unfortunately. It, give it give five ten minutes, mate, if you can. It's, it's a good watch. Just big from from also, it's, it's kind of a. It's not a character of the game. It's it's someone who has got the medical expertise, laying down facts and laying down the framework of how it works. Um, so when you get people looking to be a bit edgy, it's like here, you know, cards on the table. Here's some facts. Thank you very much. Um, 
definitely everybody who listens to this podcast go away go on to the Elite League social medias um, it was a great interview by, by Luke Fisher um, as well just to get that information from him and yeah must watch it's a good move by the league anyway isn't it, to put that video out so I'm, I'm same boat as you Andy I mean I saw it come out and I thought oh I'll watch that and I just, yeah, just didn't. I just completely I think, I think forgot it. Was, Gre- was it Greffel sent it, the link to us? And I think Carlo just watched it because I had the opportunity with the time. It might have even, genuinely, might have even been me that sent it, but I just didn't watch it. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm genuinely being serious. It genuinely could have been me that sent it. It was posted on the 5th of John. Let's have a look. I'll, I'll scroll back to the 5th of John and the chat. See, and see. see Andy, new year, new him. <laughs> oh, no, no, it was Greg. No, it was Greg. I think I'd, I think I'd already seen it when Greg posted it, though. Yeah. Um, but I just, let's say, I'd marked it as, oh, I'll watch that, and then just completely forgot. I think there's so there's been so much going on, obviously, with everything in the league that you just kind of forget about things, and that's not one of the things that went by the wayside, but... Good for the league to give that clarification anyway, regardless of uh, whether or not Andy and I have watched it. It's still good to have that clarification. So, um, Have I missed anything about COVID, gents? Is there anything else that we need to talk about? I'm conscious it's a big subject, and I honestly can't think. I think we've done the ground. Sound? Okay, we we're under an hour at this point, gents. So actually, we're, we're probably a little bit better than we may be expected to be by this point. Or maybe not. I don't know. We'll see. Um, anyway, the next thing I've got on the agenda, then, if we're done with COVID, is the airport section, something that we have neglected because last time round again, we decided we're good enough to talk about without it. So we're not going to go into any specific signings. We're not going to go into the usual, what we think of this guy, he's played in this league, this league, this league, scored this many penalties, and this is his bio. We're not going to do anything like that. We are literally going to read through the players that have signed in different places uh, and just run that off so that we've covered it. Um, so... We'll start from the 17th of December. I think, Dave, you and I have worked out before we started when, when the last time was that we covered. We yeah. thought we'd cover up to Mark McNulty signing in, in Cardiff. So the first one we've got is Brandon McGee went from HC Cometa Bruno to the Five Flyers. Uh, Cody Drover went from the Dundee Stars to Bordeaux. Uh, Jonathan Boxhill signed for the Belfast Giants from no team. I believe he's retired by that point. He's come out of retirement to cover for them for injury, I'm presuming. Um, Tommy Oakenden left the, the Nottingham Panthers to go for to five flyers. Ben O'Connor left the Cardiff Devils to go to a Romanian team that I'm not going to try and pronounce. <laughs> Romanian team? Yes. Oh, for that good memory. Um, Jake Koffler went from the Odense Bulldogs, Paul Thompson's team. Sorry, Sheffield fans. I said the uh, forbidden two words, Paul Thompson. Uh, Odense Bulldogs to the Cardiff Devils. Uh, Jesper Alassari left the Guildford Flames and is going to pastures unknown currently. David Brawl left the Coventry Blaze uh, to retire from playing hockey, I believe to become a firefighter. Did I see that one? Yeah. Um, Simon Sforanta left the Nottingham Panthers to go to Rouen. Uh, Taylor Doherty left the Nottingham Panthers to go to HK Dukla Michalovka, which is, I think, Slovakian. Yeah. Oh, smashing it today. He's not smashing it today. We've all heard how terrible it's been up to this point. So, uh, uh, Max Stewart left the Belfast Giants to go to the Solway Sharks. And finally, Michael Crocock, unfortunate name, came from the Reading Royals to join the Guildford Flames. I'm not even going to throw that out to you boys because we're not discussing any of that other than how unfortunate the name Crocock is because that's just terrible. I think we have a contender to beat Brock Boom now. Um, but anyway, 
Um, so that's the airport section. Um, as I said, we're not going to go into any detail because we're conscious that we've already got enough to add on the agenda. So we'll jump straight into the next thing, which I don't know has has. There's been some feel that this has been coming for a while. The Panthers haven't been getting the the results that maybe are expected of them as a team. Uh, actually, in fairness, at the start of the season, yet again, something that Joe got wrong. Uh, a lot of people were saying that the Panthers were going to be a bad team this year, and I actually said I think they're a team that could be a dark horse, and my God, was I wrong at this point. Um, however, the Panthers did confirm that Tim Wallace was relieved from his role as the head coach. I believe... Uh, let's have a look. Steve Lee and Mark Matheson are going to step in, take the coaching reins on an interim basis. Um, yeah. What do we think, boys? I find it difficult that the guy who didn't recruit the team is being blamed, in essence, for the team not being good enough. Now, yeah, they've, they've come out and said it's a results-based industry. So why has Doucette kept his job? Because he's recruited the team and Wallace has coached. So... If you go down the kind of the root cause analysis, surely the guy who's put the team together has just got it really badly wrong. So if you need to make a change, surely it would go there. Now, obviously, it's, it's, it's the easier, the cheaper option to get rid of the coach. Um, Matheson and Steve Lee, I believe, are uh, holding the reins until further notice. So uh, it, it surprises me, if I'm honest. Um, but it's kind of the traditional Nottingham Christmas meltdown that we normally have. But I, I think if you're going to blame, if you were looking at Nottingham and you want to blame someone, I'm not sure Tim Wallace is that person, if I'm honest with you. It's, it's a difficult one. Yeah, the, the Nottingham surprises quite a lot of us. We, I do think they're going to be a great team this season. Uh, at a, at a Put them at least finishing probably fourth, but to see them down in sixth, seventh place, you know, going into into the new year is it's it's not like a Nottingham team. Uh, it's, it's it's been a long time since we've seen them that that low in the standings, and that's when now something's not quite right. They are, you know, billed as one of the top four teams, and uh, yeah, just 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 very strange seeing them that low down, but. Strangely enough, it is always the coach who gets the who gets the back end of the uh, of of the blame. Uh, but this is a tricky one for me because, like like you've all said, uh, Wallace wasn't the, the the guy who recruited the players. It was Gidge was set. So normally for me, I don't, I, I don't think the players have been a great standard. To be honest, I don't think it's it's been so much a coaching thing. I think just the players recruited. When you look at who. Uh, Belfast and Cardiff have brought in uh, players who have played in a lot of really good leagues, uh, played a lot of games in those leagues as well. You can look at Nottingham, there's not a whole lot of that, you know, that, that big league experience that the other the other three have. So, yeah, it's not like a Nottingham Nottingham team this year. But first, because of the signings, but again, the results have been something else. So, it, it's a shame to see Wallace go because I think. He's a decent coach, and I think he's got a very bright future as a coach. But you've got to be looking at higher up in the organisation 
other than the coach, especially when he's not recruited them. So something not quite right there. Uh, whoever they bring in, uh, and I do have an exclusive rumour for you. Uh, Dave Whistle has left Leeds, and there are rumours of him. I did notice that, yeah. So there are rumours there. Um, I feel like he's an ooh cat moment. Ooh. I feel like he needs more of a moment of, is there such thing as an exclusive rumour? <laughs> <laughs> Is the whole nature of a rumor not it's being talked about? <laughs> new year, new podcast. We give exclusive rumors. I just thought I, you know, I, I put a bit of suspense in, into the podcast. <laughs> no, you did not. You did. No, I'm only joking. Thank you. Thank you I, I actually had got Dave Whistle written down myself actually for that. But, um, yeah, no, no. I, you guys have hit the nail on the head. I mean, I, I, I genuinely could see Dave Whistle going there for a start. Um, they're obviously going to need someone to step in as the coach. The other option is that I could see Matheson staying there for the whole season as coach, and I could actually see Matheson stepping in next season as head coach, not playing. Um, but we'll see. Yeah, we'll see how that goes in the long run. It's, it's a bizarre one for me, and, and I completely agree with you guys. Guy Doucette is the guy to me that should have gone. Their recruitment has not been up to the standard that, that Nottingham's recruitment previously has been. This is not the team who signed Brian McGratton, who signed. Um, oh God, who was the other guy? I had his name in my head. Hansen. That's the one. Thank you. It's not the team that signed him. I know it's not the same people, but it's the same budgets. It's the same. It's the same name. And you know, I feel like a large proportion of. You know the fund, the budgets, and the large proportion of the recruitment time was spent trying to get the likes of Kevin Deming coming back because he did so well in the Elite Series. You know, getting Christophe Boivin to come back because he did so well in the Elite Series. When actually, they're looking at a bigger pot of players available in a normal season, would they have been as high up there in the recruitment process? Probably not. You know, the Panthers are currently the highest. Point scorer is Jeremy Welsh. He's got 17 points in 21 games in the league. Just talking league. Um, you know, Matt Myers is their fourth highest point scorer with 12 points from 21 games. Matt Myers was signed as one of the last players signed this season. We spent a lot of time talking about the fact we thought Matt Myers might not actually end up getting picked up by a team because of how long it went. He's their fourth highest point scorer in the league. Mark Matheson has nine points in 20 games as one of the go-to, like, two-way defensemen that they have. So uh, there's a lot of players that are underperforming to what you'd expect. They've not done the recruitment you'd expect. There's not a single name on there that I'd have on our team, other than maybe Matt Myers and obviously Oli Betteridge. But in terms of players that have been newly recruited, there's not a single player on that team. I, I will just say also, I missed off Josh Tetlow, who I always said, like, to see the Steelers shirt. But new recruitment, there isn't a single player I'd have. And I don't think I've ever said that about a Panthers team. There's been at least one player that you would go into that game where we've got to watch him. Currently, I'm more bothered about when's Kevin Demen coming back and is he going to be an issue for us? That shouldn't be the case. If I look at the Steelers team that we have, I'm sitting there thinking teams should be worried about Latal. Teams should be worried about what Polak's brought to the table so far. Everyone knows what Mo- what Mosey can do, what Valorant can do, what Eberle can do. This team doesn't have anyone that I look at and go, got to watch out for him. It, it, 
it's just it's a very non-Nottingham team and honestly again as I said to you earlier in terms of what the Scottish teams have got to do and they've got to you know, can only play with the cards that they've been dealt in terms of the limited capacity. That's very much the same for Tim Wallace. He can only coach the players that he's been given. And honestly, I don't think the issue is being the coaching. Um, do I think that Guy Doucette got rid of Wallace as the GM, not GM, as the director of hockey and the person doing the recruitment side because he knew that if he didn't, it'd be him on the chopping block? Absolutely. And I think that's why you see the coaches go to the wayside before the GM, because the GM has some ability to sack the coach. And the coach is the person to put the blame on as a scapegoat to avoid the blame yourself. And I honestly genuinely think that's what's happened here. Genuinely think that's what's happened here. Um, admittedly, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to lie, I'm on the podcast. I think we've all laughed at this because we're all Steelers fans. It's always, you know, it's not like they're going through a really difficult time other than they're playing pretty poorly at the moment. You know, it is quite an amusing thing to see as a rival team, particularly when we went through something similar recently and got a lot of a lot of grief from the Panthers fans. It is quite amusing to see them now going through the same thing. But at the same time, you kind of sit there and think, I don't honestly know how they bounce back from this season or how they bounce back this season. And you kind of hope that they can bounce back next season because they are, we always talk about that top four that you would expect to see and they are up there and this season they aren't. Um, one other thing that they've done, obviously in addition to getting rid of Tim Wallace, um, probably I would like to bet one of the higher, if not the highest paid player on their roster, I would put money on being Taylor Doherty. Um, he has now been released, or he's now left them, and obviously, as we've said, he's gone to a, uh, a Slovakian team. What do we think? Do we think there's more players to come that are going? Do we think he was just the kind of big big player, big unit at the back, NHL experience, took a lot of penalties, didn't really do much in the league? Do we think it's just a case of let's ship him out now before he does anything else? Or what, what do we think? Can we see more players getting, getting the chop? I'm not sure because you kind of think that you kind of think that you would do new coach and all that, but the the transfer deadline. I'm going to lean on Andy on this one. The, the, the transfer or the ITC transfers not that far away. Is it around February time? I'd say early February. Yeah, February. So they're not going to have much time to to bring players in, um, and also it depends on if the market is actually there for new players. Um, You've also got, from a trickle-down perspective, you've also got the effect of the Olympics in terms of players moving in and around and, and moving up opportunities for their teams, depending on who on the rosters that are announced. I know we've seen a couple of rosters um, on the men's side. I know the women's uh, half of the tournaments, their the rosters are filling in. So the market may not be that strong this time around. And also, with COVID... You know, imports are gonna not be set, you know not be quick to jump on that plane across to Europe or from around Europe. So it, it depends. I I feel like this was a mutually beneficial move um, for both parties. Um, I don't think he settled well outside looking in in Nottingham. And imports, you know, you have that. Um, 
any club. Every club's had that. Uh, so it's not a criticism of Nottingham. Um, Nottingham have the chance to freshen things up. He's found another team in Europe. Gets to enjoy uh, the season in, in, in Europe still. So you'd think so. You'd think they'd be, but I'm not, I'm not sure. I just don't, I'm not sure if there's going to be much movement around and what's going to be available. Mm. Uh, I think you know. Do they go for the more European-based players? I know Sheffield have. Um, I know um, Guildford had a little bit, but they've got a couple of uh, East Coast and AHL players over the last couple that they've brought in. Um, but Europe could be some of them. May pick, find someone just to freshen things up. The ones that Sheffield have brought in have certainly uh, benefited that squad. So it's not like uh, Europe's not a good place to look. So I don't know. Be interesting on that. With Doherty, I I'm sure we've all said the same. Really, uh, for a guy of this size, he is uh, for a defenseman and the resume that he's got. Uh, I think we all said that we, he underperformed. Uh, thought we thought he was going to be this season, and I think they looked at that. And if it is true that he was one of their top uh, pay imports. Then I think Guy would have seen that. You know, we we, we could save a lot of what do you call it, kind of quite cap space or whatever it is. Uh, quite a bit of money with that and budget space, budget yeah, space, budget space. That's better. Thank you. Um, <laughs> and I I think there may be one or two others that may go. Um, because there's a lot on that team that have either underperformed or ones maybe they they took a chance on or, or, or a, um, a, bit, a bit of a risk on, shall we say, and they've not really turned out to be uh, what they hoped for. So I can probably see one or two more going. Uh, I can actually see them bringing in someone like Sheffield has one of the European players like, you know, Latal or, or Polak who have had pretty good success in their careers but are at the back end of their career now and uh, but not really wanted in their sort of native native lands anymore because they're just too old compared to, to all the young uh, talent coming through their junior systems. So I can see something similar to that, uh, possibly. Uh, just someone to, to spark them up a bit, you know. Uh, so that's what they need someone to, to, to sort of take an example from. And being a Nottingham team in a having a disaster season like they are doing, I can see them bringing someone who can bring them a spark. Um, if they don't, then it'd be quite a big shock. You know, being one of the so-called top four teams in terms of budgets, it, it'd be an absolute nightmare if they didn't. To be honest, so yeah, have to wait and see. See what happens. Um, but in, in terms of coaching, there is one player uh, I think we all would agree on who would make a great coach. Maybe not now, maybe in a couple of years. But um, given he's got his 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 own coaching sessions around the UK, I think Diddy Clark could be a good shout for head coach. I think given a former player uh, and the leadership that he had, I think I think he'd, he'd be a pretty good coach in this league. 
The bit of danger to that is the returning players coming back, not doing a good job, making a bad impression. I completely agree with you. Um, I, I can't see them doing it now because I think they're in a position now where they need to bring someone in that will bring them immediate wins. We, we know exactly what it's like to be in this position. When we sacked Paul Thompson, we had to bring in someone that had the prospects of bringing in the wins. We couldn't, at that point, bring in someone who's never coached before, never coached professional hockey before, because we couldn't run the risk that he was going to not produce the results. And I think they're in that same position. They're getting the pressure from the fan base to expect wins. Um, and yeah, I, I honestly think I can see them doing it in the future. I can see them bringing in a coach that's going to last a little bit longer before that. Um, yeah. But um, yeah, and honestly, I, I mean, I feel bad for I feel bad for Wallace. I feel like Wallace has been done a little bit dirty on that. Um, they've also done him dirty on the pictures that they've used because he, um, well, particularly the one that I'm looking at at the moment on the press release, he's literally just sat there with his tongue out, and it's just like <laughs> they must have got better pictures of him. But um, yeah, no, I mean, the, I mean, the quote I'll go from Keith said, I think to close off, unless anybody's got anything else to add. Um, they basically said we've had a run of extremely disappointing results and in a result based business the time had to come to make a change we are now looking uh, we are now looking to bring in a new head coach which along with new signings and the return of key players from injury will get us back on track to be a competitive team every single match day I get that I get that I kind of feel like that is almost an admission of if it wasn't him it was me um, something had to change yeah Coaches come, coaches go. You don't produce the results. Not the first time. Um, I'm just kind of glad for Wallace that he didn't get the outcry of, uh, of being sacked that Paul Thompson got from the Steelers fans because that was just horrendous. So upside to take from that. See where the Panthers go from here. I, I genuinely, I mean, I hated David Clark when he was playing, but that's because he did his role right. I'd love to see David Clark coaching. I'd love to see them get that to that point, that full circle, bring in a legend who who played for him for so long and given that coaching opportunity, that would be quality. Um, as I say, I can't see it being this season, but maybe not next. Maybe bring in a coach on an 18-month contract and then bring him in for the 23-24 season. I think that would be a cracking move for them. Um, but yeah, let, let's see where they go from here, boys. I don't think there's much more. I don't have anything else to say about, about, about Nottingham. I don't know if you guys have got anything else to add. So we will close the door on that discussion. Move on to Dave's section because I don't know what's going on. So it's the CHL, mate. It's your favourite part. It is indeed. So for those who listen to this podcast, there's there's not many things that are consistent. Um, there's Joe starting podcasts poorly. There's me falling asleep. Um, there are many things that are consistent. One of them is Frölunda making the CHL final. 2022, hold my beer. That ain't going to happen this year, guys and girls. The newcomers to the CHL. The first time they got their names on the list. They've only gone and made the final. Rogler. Not only just made the final, they destroyed Frölunda in the semis with an 8-4 Aggregate win. 5-3 in the first leg, which was a tight affair in, in Rogler, but 3-1 demolition job. Although the scoring doesn't suggest that, the performance was a demolition job at the front of Lundeborg. And I felt sorry for the Rogler goalie, 
he deserved a shutout in that second leg. Um, and like I said, we, we expect for London to make the final, so it's a bit of a shock that they're not in. in uh, although you know they've, they've made the semi-final, so that should help Sweden with their uh, coefficient. Though I did see, um, just slightly going off topic, that they're not. Every year they change the coefficient of how many teams from each league of the founding leagues make the CHL. Um, they're not doing this year the results this year for next. I think they're using 1920 due to postponed games, uh, players in the Olympics. Uh, there, was a, there was a press release out recently um, for that. So I think the, the amount of teams from each country in the CHL will stay the same for next season and they'll, they'll redo it uh, for the year after. So Rogler, in the, in the CHL final, congratulations. And they'll host the final. Talk about really going to town on your first attempt. Who did they play in this? Who did they play in the final? Well, at this moment in time, no one knows because the other semi-final, both games was postponed uh, due to uh, Red Bull Munich being put into German COVID protocols, um, and the CHL has decided that the 25th of January will be a winner-takes-all game between them and Tapara Tampere at the Nokia Arena in Tampere, and the winner will go off to play Rogler on the 1st of March. Um, I don't know about the semi-final, if that will be on free sports or Premier. I suspect the final will be. Um, but what it does mean is that we'll have a new name on the trophy. And it'll be the fourth different team in the current guise of the CHL that will be on the, uh, the trophy after Falunda, Lulia and Yvaskula. So, 1st of March, will it be Rogler? Will it be Tepera? Or will it be Red Bull Munich? Munich. Munich, Munich. I must admit, I'll, I'll, I'll be digging my uh, um, Oktoberfest jersey out. Lederhosen. Yes. Which they need updating, by the way, guys. They do. But they've not done them for a few years available on a European shop. I have looked. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so that's the CHL for you. Um, and I must admit, they... Um, They've kind of rugged results-wise. We you looked at the different fixtures for the knockout stage, and I'll be honest with you, I never expected Rogler to get this far. I, I expect him to fall down a hurdle. It's in particular, if you think about Rogler for London, you'd have gone, yeah. They've played him five times, including the SHL, and they've beat for London five times this season. Um, so it's not that bit's not surprised, but I didn't expect Rogler to make the semi-final. So a, a, a bit of a congratulations to them. Um, and all being well, we'll uh, we'll have a cracking final on the first of March. Not a whole lot to add, really. Um, yeah, just great for Rogla. Um, I think they've had their uh, Flanders number all season, so I think that's really uh, contributed to them making it as, as far as having and obviously beating Flanders. Uh, so it's, it's a massive advantage to have, especially when you're playing someone you play regularly in, in the league because you you know their the sort of game plan, you know their players really well, uh, and that's the only only problem really when when you're playing uh, teams from your own own uh, native country in a competition like the CHL. You've already got the advantage. If you've got the advantage in, in the league, then you more than likely got the advantage when it comes to uh, these sort of competitions. Because like I said, you, you know their players like the back of your hand. You know their systems, their coach. 
so it, it makes it very easy for, for anyone really to uh, sort of do the research, do the homework on, on, on the other team and there you go, it's planned out for you, so yeah, fair play to Rogler as well I mean, uh, saw their game against uh, Flunder at home and obviously dominated them uh, Matt Tompkins in goal he pulled some great saves but there was just some that, you know, could not do because the chemistry between the Rogler team was absolutely incredible, they've got some fantastic players on that roster um, yeah, just very looking forward to see who, who they do play in the final obviously uh game against Munich and Tapera has been postponed for the moment so hopefully we'll get a date on that and uh, it'll be a hopefully a, a very entertaining final yeah it was an interesting semi um, well the second leg in particular was just was one of those where if you went into the second leg thinking two well cushion not going to be enough not going to be enough and then it went very swiftly went 1-0 2-0 and it was like hmm Four goal cushion might be enough, and it just as it went on, it was just you know they absolutely had their number. Um, you're absolutely right, Andy. I mean, in fairness, it's the chances for a team to knock Flunder out actually were probably much stronger being a Swedish team than anybody else because, like you say, you get to know each other's plays, you get to know each other's systems, you get to know the weaknesses and the strengths. And Rogler by the sounds, we played a blinder um, through to the final on the first year in the, in the, in the competition. Um, you know, be a bit of a Cinderella story for him to come through the end and, uh, and be lifting that silverware. So certainly won't be complaining if that was the case. Nice to see a new winner of the tournament as well. Um, 100% my allegiances will be going to uh, to Red Bull Munich, but would also not complain if it was Tapera. I'd also wouldn't be complaining if it was Rockland. To be fair, it's just nice to say it's nice to see a different team. Um, you know, my hope now is we get to see a good final. I'll say one thing. I hope the attendance restriction allowed is better than the semi-final because the attendance for the semi-final on Tuesday was poor. And even if it was a 50% capacity, that's 3,000 people. And there was there was not even 3,000. When we went over, when Sheffield made the CHL and played for London, there was just shy of 3,000 there. They, they can come out to these games. And maybe the attitude of the Swedes may need to change to actually kind of not adopt and, under, and embrace it, but just kind of this is a tournament that is part of the silverware to win. So that was the only disappointing thing from Tuesday, just the poor attendance again from a Swedish team. Yeah, 100%. 100%. Um, anybody got anything else to add on CHL? We are smashing through this, gents. I expected this to take much longer than it has done. Um, the last thing in fairness before we head into predictions and staff and stats um, that I have is to do with the You Can Play Pride Week, whatever you want to call it. There's a number of different names I think that are used for it now. Essentially, the Elite League are, of course, doing their Pride Week uh, as, as, as absolutely we should be doing the, uh, the You Can Play week and obviously promoting the diversity uh, that comes with it they have confirmed that they've got a Pride Week partner which is Pride Tape I believe there's obviously also affiliation to You Can Play and they've also confirmed that there's some involvement with Hockey is Diversity 
Um, they've partnered up with the Elite League this season along with partnerships with the NHL, the NHL Players Association and the DEL, uh, as well as other leagues as well. So big steps forward in terms of getting some, some more PR, getting some more um, support behind the Pride Week. Obviously, the whole point is that, that we're promoting that hockey is for everyone. That is the key thing that the league are promoting. Um, you know, it doesn't matter what race you are. It doesn't matter what sexuality you are. It doesn't matter what gender you are. Hockey is for everybody, uh, and that's something that I think needs to be promoted every year. It is an important week for the league. It's an important week for the sport. Uh, I think it's an important week across every sport. To be fair, that it should be promoted. We spoke not long ago about the fact that NHL 22 had signed the, the agreement with the IIHF, and they were going to include the women's championships as well. Great step forwards. Let's hope that we can see more steps forward across the board in terms of gender, race, sexuality, any other things that you know that you see in that discrimination in relation to. Um, yeah, I mean, just to confirm swiftly the pride fixtures that we have currently: Saturday the eighth of Jan Guildford versus Nottingham, obviously already gone. Um, Saturday, Sunday the ninth of Jan, uh, Nottingham versus Fife again already gone. Uh, you've got Friday the 14th of Jan, Belfast v Cardiff, which is on Premier, Coventry versus Sheffield and Glasgow versus Nottingham. Saturday the 15th of Jan, you've got Dundee, Glasgow, Fife, Nottingham and Belfast, Manchester in Manchester. Said those are the wrong way around. Uh, and then last but not least, you've got Saturday the 22nd of Jan, Sheffield versus Nottingham in Sheffield. Cardiff will announce their Pride Night when fans are allowed back into Isolina, Wales. Um, I'm sure there's not really much to discuss on this, gents, other than obviously it's a great step forward for the league. It's something that obviously we want to promote and very much in hockey is for everyone. Um, and like I said, it doesn't matter what race you are. It doesn't matter what gender you are. It doesn't matter what your sexual preferences are. We, we watch for the sport. We all enjoy the sport. Anybody can play the sport. And, uh, and that's something that I think needs to be promoted, particularly this week, but it should be promoted as much as we can across the sport. No, I think you've you've nailed it there, uh, Joe. Um, here's an important change. It does. In fairness, it's, it's one of your few plus points tonight. Um, yes. Hashtag Joe must do better. Um, End, no, no, ending on a high. Sorry. He says now. There's time left. Um, no, it's an it's an important week. It's an important message. Um, this week, next week, the week after, every single week. Um, we, you know, all the teams are doing their bit, and I appreciate Cardiff will wait until they get the fans back in to, to really, because they, they, it's more a celebration than a message, if that makes sense. Then they make sure it's it's a good atmosphere. I've heard people have been to the games, and it actually has been more akin to a party than a, than just a, a statement piece. But uh, this podcast, but you know, we've all said it that we, you know, don't matter who you are, what you are, what you prefer, you know. If you like the game of hockey, you could be, or you can, you can put the the puck in the back of it, or you can save it. Who cares? It's the game that's that is there for you. Um, and I know that other sports have that same attitude and mindset, but hockey is the one that really goes out a bit more. Like with the Pride Week, I know other leagues do it. Other so uh, like the NHL has done it recently, um, and I think a few of the uh, leagues in Europe do kind of a, a big. Celebration and reminded that you know that it is the game that is for everybody. Um, 
so you know, looking forward to seeing some of the shirts that have been released. That's been that's going to be used. Some really you know, really nice designs, and then it helps press the message out of what it's all about. Absolutely, um, and it's, it's it's an important message, you know. Um, and it's 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 one that league adopts really well. They've always uh, they're always on board with it. They're always trying to promote it. They're always put, pushing the social media with it, and it's it's fantastic to see. You know, it's just letting everyone know that you know it doesn't matter who you are, what your what what your preferences are in life. It it just does not matter. At all, uh, and that's a really important message, and one that you know is really supported by everyone in the league. So it's um, it's great to see. Um, <laughs> there's not a whole lot more I can really add because it is it is a really positive positive thing to do, and just just a very good move from the league to have it every year. It's fantastic. Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent, and uh, like we've already said, it's something that needs to be promoted as much as possible. Um, we've had to talk a couple of times about uh, a lack of diversity, it's not necessarily on the pride side as much, um, more on the side of obviously there's been a few racist stints that we've had to talk about a couple of times this year, there's been a couple of incidents of, in terms of gender, obviously there was the tissue watches for the men and the, uh, the hair straighteners for the women in terms of battle of the match prizes. Um, we've had that negative side to talk about, and like we've said before, it's not something that we like talking about. It's something we had to had to be covered because of this, because we want to promote as much as we can as a platform. That even if there's two people listening to this, it's still a platform for us to get the same message out uh, that hockey is for everyone. Um, and yeah, it's great to see the support behind it. It's great to see the whole league getting involved. Um, and let's hope that that message really stands out this year even more so than it has done before so that uh, that it can really drive home the fact that it doesn't matter anything about you. If you like hockey, you like hockey. If you play hockey, you play hockey. That's all that matters. Um, anything else to add on that one, boys? Oh. No, then I am going to look at the man who is currently on my screen sat below, Dave, uh, Andy. It's time for Stafford Stats, mate. No worries. Um, yeah, there's been a lot of change over the last uh, month or so. Obviously, the, the league leaders, Sheffield, uh, having to sit out for quite a long time under COVID protocol. So that's allowed Cardiff, who have, uh, like we've mentioned before, amazingly have, have avoided it, uh, touch wood so far. So that's fantastic for them. So in first place, we've got Cardiff with 37 points. We have Sheffield with 35 points, uh, Belfast with 32 points, Nottingham have climbed the table actually since uh, the partridge of Tim Wallace have gone from 6th now to 4th, uh, they've got 22 points, in 5th we've got Guildford with 20 points, in 6th got Manchester also with 20 points, in 7th we've got Coventry with 16 points, 8th we've got Dundee with 15 points. Uh, ninth, we've got Glasgow with 14 points, and 10th is five with 13 points. So it's very much all to play for in, uh, when it comes to 10th to 4th. There's not really a whole lot of difference, um, especially with a lot of games in hand for different teams. It could be could be down to the final weekend, which you was know, as, as much as awful it is to have teams sit out for so long under this COVID protocol. It actually it changes the standing so much and it could actually come down to the final weekend to see who determines which 
who gets a playoff place. So um, that's pretty good to see, to be honest with you. Uh, in terms of top point scorers in the league, uh, pretty much got a three-way tie at the minute with Mark Olivier Valorant. He has 32 points. And then uh, two from Belfast, got Scott Conway and JJ Picnic. I, I can't say pitching it because it just doesn't sound as funny so they've, they've both got 32 points Brody Reed still in contention there's doing pretty well so far still Brody Reed has 30 points and then Adam Brady from Manchester with 29 points uh, in terms of the goalies Steinovitz not played as much as what the other goalies have but still up there 93% same percentage uh, 90, sorry, 93.7% same percentage. Uh, we've got, got Matt Carruth with 93%, Jackson Whistle and Tyler Bescarani up there. So we've got two goals for Belfast up there. Uh, pretty similar. Uh, Jackson's got 92.8 and Tyler's got 92.2. And then Glasgow's Shane Starrett is climbed up there. He's got 92.1. And in terms of the Challenge Cup, there are a few more games over the last uh, week or two, so it's pretty much still... Uh, pretty much not much changed a lot but we'll still go through it anyway uh, we've got the first group we've got Belfast with 14 points then Dundee with 7 points and Fife with 5 points uh, they've all qualified in group 2 we've got Cardiff with 12 points Guildford with 11 points uh, and then Coventry with 4 points and surprise surprise all those have qualified uh, in Group 3, we've got Sheffield with 14 and Nottingham with 11 points. Uh, both Sheffield and Nottingham qualified, obviously. Manchester haven't. They've only got three points. Um, still in terms of scorers, Scott Conway leading the, the charge with 19 points and pretty much all Belfast, really. The first top three, we've got David Goodwin with also with 19 and JJ Picnic with 16. Uh, climbing the table quite rapidly is actually Robbie Bayajan who played for Milton Keynes last couple of seasons before joining Nottingham last season uh, very good very good player 11 points he's got so far and then another Belfast player got John Boucher also with 11 points uh, in terms of goalies we have Tyler Beskarawani he has 94.9 Barry Brust has 94.4 Taran Cozen 94.3 Kevin Linskog with 92.7 and the backup for Manchester, James Downey, has 92.2. So you can see the backups, uh, especially the uh, Brits slash Australians, doing really well there. So that's, that's good to see. Yeah, 100% is, mate. 100% is. Um, anything to add on that, gents? I mean, I know usually it's just a run-through of, of the results, so... I'm happy to move straight on from there. We've got, obviously, the next thing on the agenda as predictions, but unless anybody's got any other business to go through, we'll jump straight into predictions from there. You see shaking heads again, so we'll get to predictions. So, Friday, uh, just coming up, we have a lot of games, I will warn you gents, um, we have a lot of games. We don't have Greth's predictions, um, because we didn't think to ask before we came on the call. Um, I'm sure Manchester wins for all of them. Pretty much, yeah. Yeah. Pretty much. Um, Friday, Big fixture in the league, in fairness, coming up. Uh, Belfast v Cardiff in Belfast. Belfast 4-2. Belfast 3-1. And we have Belfast 5-3. Uh, Glasgow v Nottingham in Glasgow. 
Nottingham 2 1. Glasgow 3 2. Nottingham 4 2. Uh, and the last game on a Friday, Coventry v Sheffield in Coventry. Sheffield 5 3. Sheffield 5 4 in overtime. And when Sheffield 4 3 in overtime. Uh, Saturday, Sheffield v Guildford in Sheffield. Ooh. Sheffield 6 2. I'm going to call Guildford 3 2 in overtime. I'm going Sheffield uh, ooh, 5 2. Uh, Manchester Belfast in Manchester. Belfast 3 1. Belfast 4 2. Belfast 5-1. Uh, Dundee v Glasgow in Dundee. Dundee 5-3. Dundee 3-2 Dundee three. Dundee in overtime. I'm going Dundee... Uh, sorry, Glasgow 4-3. Uh, Fife, Nottingham in Fife. 5-3-1. Nottingham, 4-3. Uh, Nottingham, 3-2. Uh, Sunday, we've got Dundee v Nottingham in Dundee. Nottingham, 3-1. Nottingham 2-1. Nottingham 4-2. Guildford v Coventry in Guildford. Guildford 4-3 in overtime. Coventry 3-2 in overtime. Coventry 4-3 in overtime. Uh, Cardiff 5 in Cardiff. Cardiff 6-1. Cardiff 4-0. We're in Cardiff 5-1. Uh, then we got Wednesday, the only league game on a Wednesday, Glasgow v Belfast in Glasgow. Belfast 4-2. Belfast 3-1. I've got Belfast 4-1. Uh, then the rest are Challenge Cup fixtures. We've got the return leg, 5B Sheffield in 5. Sheffield 3-1. 5 2-1. I don't agree with you, Dave. Sheffield, 3-1. Uh, 
Uh, Cardiff Dundee in Cardiff. I don't know what they need to win by. Cardiff to win 3-2. What do they need? Well, Dundee are 4-2 up. Ooh, okay. Cardiff 5-1 Cardiff 4-2 uh, The last game Guildford Nottingham in Guildford Just to are you because that would take that game into overtime so who would you go to win the fixture yeah, sorry, yeah. Uh, Cardiff 5-2 with the overtime goal. Uh, Guildford, Nottingham in Guildford. Guildford 4-1. Guildford. They need? they need to win by... They need they're two goals down. So Guildford are? Guildford are, yeah. So 4-1 will take them through. So... On that basis, I'm gonna go Guildford's two one. Gonna go Guildford three two. Um, that's it, gents. Last of the predictions. Uh, last of the agenda. So we've actually smashed through this in under two hours. Believe it or not, we're at an hour and forty currently. Wow. Which may actually be one of the fastest podcasts we've ever done. Yeah. Um. <laughs> We we actually we actually like cut things or cut things short on the agenda at least to keep the time down. I think that's served as well today, gent. So, um, Dave, you've talked about certain things that are guaranteed, um, like me screwing up the intro, you falling asleep, um, Frulunda making the final. Frulunda making not making the final is not the only shock thing because the other thing no. that's guaranteed is us doing a podcast over two hours as long as all the short. <laughs> So maybe it is New Year new podcast. Indeed. We'll get a graph. We'll get a graph off IR. And it'll all return to normal. It'll all change. It's all about. It's all, it's all Gref's fault. We'll go with that. Gref, if you're listening, we love you. <laughs> Gref is land. <laughs> well, yeah. Why you say anything about that? Um, but no, gents. I mean, I, unless anything, anybody's got anything else to add, uh, we are we are actually genuinely at the end of a podcast in under two hours. So um, let's, take the w. let's take the W there. So Dave, uh, thank you very much, sir. Thank you, Joe. Um, and well done on going through all the fixtures um, before and after the podcast. That was a fair effort, uh, matey. Thank you, uh, Andy. Um, uh, I will say thanks to Graf. I hope he enjoyed this uh, film. Um, and thank you to everyone who listened or who will be listening. Um, we hope you enjoy our whatever you want to call what we do. I'm not sure. It changes week by week, doesn't it? Uh, but thanks for listening. Um, if you ever hear something we say and you think we're wrong or you disagree, there are social media outlets uh, that we could. Uh, that you can get in touch with us. I'll just throw it in. Uh, uh, Facebook, My Fans and Body Podcast. Instagram, Twitter, at MSZ Podcast. There is the discussion group. Um, we didn't give them the heads up on episode 84. We'll, no, do for we episode eight, we'll do it for episode 85. 
because uh, 85 being a good number, uh, we'll make sure we do that. Um, and we'll, we'll get some we'll get some fan interaction. We need to we need to get some more people. 2022, the year we get more people giving their input into the podcast. But guys, thank you very much for your time this evening. Um, a pleasure as ever. Indeed, mate. Indeed, I like the way you're presuming everyone's listening in the evening. <laughs> If you start the day listening to us, then I'm not sure. For all we know, there might be someone that's woken up at 6am to go for a run, and they're going for a run with us in their ears. That's no, a weird thing to If you wake up at 6am, you're waiting for signing news. <laughs> that's true. Well, they might have got their alarm set, they might have found out the, the signing news, and then they, they, you know, they need something to do, so they're killing the time by listening to us. Who knows? Who knows indeed? We're going down a slippery slope here, so it's going, Andy, thank you. Save us, Andy, save us. Yeah, f- thank you, Joe. Uh, great, great effort today. Thank you. Uh, thank you, Dave. Uh, and thank you, Griff, for abandoning us. I hope uh, you manage to smuggle in your own snacks. Some serious stuff, Andy. <laughs> It's my turn this week, isn't it? Yeah, so it's my turn. Is it just? <laughs> but yeah, um, <laughs> thank you again for everyone listening. Um, yeah, another good episode and nice to keep under two hours. That is an earlier night than usual for a Thursday, which is weird. That's a bizarre one. Very bizarre one. <laughs> uh, but no echo what you guys have said. Thank you, everybody listening. Thank you to you both. Uh, it's been an enjoyable an enjoyable one. I think we've managed to cover a lot of ground in um, in a concise way this time, rather than going on about it for hours. So, um, but yeah, Greg, hope you enjoyed the film. Um, Andy, I'm not going to say I hope you managed to sneak in the snacks like you did because we don't endorse uh, that kind of behaviour. Um, of course not, absolutely not. And also, I hope that the uh, the uh, concession stands accepted card and cash just in case there was any children that wanted to buy nachos and hot dogs um so yeah we're not going to delve back into that that is a rabbit hole that we could end up going now the holes are available thank you very much um <laughs> another one of the certainties now on the podcast is that we're going to say rabbit hole at some point and he's going to say that um on that note gents thank you very much everybody thank you everybody listening um Keep an eye out on social media, keep an eye out on the group. As Dave said, we will give the heads up on the next time if we do remember which the chances of that are. I don't want to say slim, but <laughs> the chances of us, uh, of us posting it, I'd say are about 50-50. So, uh, yeah, keep an eye out. And if we, if we do give you a heads up, please feel free to come at us with questions. Come at us and tell us that we're wrong. You know, we're not all about listening to ourselves. If you do have a contrasting opinion, feel free to let us know might even get you on to talk about it so that we've got someone else's voice to listen to that isn't our own um yeah no thank you to everybody listening gents thank you very much Gref. um yeah hopefully you're back up IR next week and uh, we'll be back with another episode of my fancy zamboni thanks a lot <laughs>